Michael Gassiorek. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, brother. Yeah, excited to dive in. I feel like there's a lot of synergy between what I'm working on, what you're working on. So I think there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about. So I'd say it's always a good excuse when you're uh, when your podcast guest can also be a friend and a collaborator. So good problems. Right. Yes, absolutely. And you're coming to us from Miami, right? At the moment, yes. Miami and New York are kind of the hubs I most uh, swear by, but plenty of time in Europe and whatever. So, so don't put me down too easy. But yeah, those two spots. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And you, do you want to share a little bit of what you're working on between TrueFi, Trust Token, Trust Cartel? There's a very trusting organizations that you are a part of. Do you want to share a little bit of yeah, what Large you're working on? Chance. For sure. So I got into crypto land partly by, you know, trying to maneuver around, uh, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum back in the day and ended up taking my marketing skills to do some consulting work. I got too much of it. So I had to start an agency. That agency is Truth Cartel. We'll still operate today. I think we about eight or nine clients actively and we focus entirely on Web3 marketing, focusing on content, community, PR and influence. We can dive into what that means and how that looks. Hey, are you interested in marketing, community building, NFTs and crypto, social media, and the metaverse? It's all moving fast and it's easy to be overwhelmed. No one knows the future and no one knows exactly what the intersection of these things will look like. My name is Mark Robinson and I do my best to break it down as we connect with leaders in the space and figure it out together. Thanks for listening as we laugh, learn, and lean into the future of digital marketing. Along the way, working at the agency and kind of building it up from scratch, I made contact with a great few clients. And one of those clients, also one of my former roommates, decided to recruit me full time. And that company is Trust Token, you know, backed by Founders Fund, A16Z, and then all, you know, every name on the list. These guys, again, my four roommates back in the day, went the opposite route of me. I went the bootstrapped kind of founder route, service world, finding my niche. They went to venture backed you know, build an org, specialize in nothing except, you know, firing yourself from your last job, crypto land direction. And uh, we found ourselves about a year or two or three in their operations needing each other. I went to work on a bigger team and then to build a product. They needed someone with marketing prowess in Web3. Uh, there wasn't too many of us at the time. I joined them as head of marketing. And then about a year or so into my tenure there, we launched the project that I focused most of my energy during the day on, TrueFi. TrueFi is an unsecured lending protocol. So think of it as credit cards on the blockchain, but lending millions of dollars to businesses, not thousands of dollars to Joe Schmoes like you and me. So far, the agency has done about 35, 40 clients, including folks like uh, obviously Trust Token, but also Compound, Algorand, we worked with the Republic team on the, the Note security token. The Trust Token has had a big stable coin and that stable coin is doing well to today. It's got a mm-hmm. billion and a half or so of market cap. And then, though I don't I don't focus too much on that, so don't give you too much credit. But my, my primary focus is TrueFi and trying to get these unsecured loans out. We've done about a billion and a half in loans just over that in the last year and a half or so with no defaults. So, so far, so good. And we're hoping to hit two and a half billion or so, maybe three billion if we're lucky by the end of the year. With no defaults, that's pretty strong. Nicely done. So far. It's funny because yeah. when you're actually trying to pitch it to banks, they're they're turned off because you haven't had any defaults, which makes it hard to put into the Excel model. But sure. yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> and were you, before Web3, were you already working in the marketing space? Were you doing a lot of marketing before that? Yeah, the irony is I was much, much more interested in psychology and philosophy than marketing, but I found kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're a psychology fan, marketing is pretty pretty good excuse to get into doing psychology that pays. And there it is. And then I ended up kind of, you know, bouncing around different jobs, 
first I thought it was going to be in diplomacy, did that for a minute, ended up in advertising in New York, which wasn't really quite for me. Didn't like the corporate life. I joined a startup in the Bay Area, focused on media, and I was editor-in-chief at Startup Grind, a pretty cool organization for founders. That's where I really would say, you know, I had, I had a startup before that that didn't go particularly well, but I was leading marketing there too. But the I really cut my teeth in the media world and, and kind of built a, a really strong content organization. That's where I kind of, that was sort of my claim to fame marketing-wise. And then I took those talents to the streets, you might say, and started consulting freelance until I just ended up getting way too many crypto projects and went into it full-time. So I'd, yeah. I'd say, you know, if you really want to kind of age me, I would say something like 10 plus years in marketing, but, uh, you know, a good eight or so of them just bumbling through the darkness, figuring it out. Right. <laughs> and would you say that, so shifting into, you start this agency entirely focused on Web3, and I think you call mm -hmm. it zeitgeist marketing, which is pretty cool. Yeah, You've got know. some cool buzzwords and a lot of words that caught my attention on your website. So yeah, yeah you yeah, did a good yeah. job. But have you have you noticed that marketing that works today, or that I should say that works in Web3 with, with crypto, NFT projects, any Web3 projects really, have you found that marketing is a lot different or is it mm -hmm. generally the same as what you've found to be successful in the past? Mm, definitely not. I think we had to reinvent the playbook, but you know, we, we definitely borrowed 80% of it. There's a handful of things that I would say are different. One of the biggest differences is attribution is extremely difficult. Let me explain. You can get someone from, you know, let's call it Instagram ad to your website, you know, selling an NFT, or you can get someone from an event email to your website, excuse me, to, to your website and have them maybe even click around a little bit. You can see that in Google mm -hmm. Analytics. But I challenge anyone, and if you have a project like this, please DM me. Like, you know, I, I want to put some angel money to work here. I, I I challenge anyone to show me where that Google traffic turns into a MetaMask transaction that puts money into the NFT mint or that puts money into your lending protocol. So attribution is extremely difficult. And it's it's worse than that. The reality is, unlike SaaS or something else, all customers are not created equal. And a single whale worth a few hundred million dollars can change the fate of your protocol with, you know, a few clicks and, you know, show me how you would market to them consistently, right? Mm -hmm. So you tend to find yourself, unfortunately, because attribution is very difficult because sort of customer profiling can be a little challenging as well, doing mostly brand marketing, right? So that's the first reality I found in the space. Performance marketing is very difficult to do. In terms of brand marketing, your channels are actually a little something you have to figure out on your own too. I think it's going to be a little different for the NFT world than it's going to be for the DeFi world, than it's going to be for, you know, companies different stages too. So marketers in the space have had to basically make up the rules as they go along. Like me, they've taken some things that they know well. For me, it's content, for example, but I had to learn social on the job. I had to learn influencer marketing on the job. Some folks might take events when you say, into their world. When you say content, what, is that, what does that mean for you? Like, is that mm -hmm. content in terms of like long form copy, like a blog? Is that like social media content? What do you, what do you mean when you say content is kind of your strength? Previously. Yeah, for sure. For me, it's usually the written word. So cool. less so a short form or video. Usually it's content that is explanatory and it tends to try to make easily understood something that is complicated, which basically all of Web3 is. Mm -hmm. And okay. that's actually, I would say, probably the biggest job in this space too. As, as sort of a final thought on what's different in Web3, usually in sort of the marketing world, you, you might have customers all along the spectrum of, you know, the ADA model. Like I've got, I know the problem and I'm interested in a solution. I desire an action. And now I'm just choosing about... You know, I've desired for the product and now I'm choosing the action. Unfortunately, you just have to educate. Like it's, it's like 80% of people who want the thing you might be selling don't even know they want it, don't know how to buy it. So education is way bigger, way more important than anything. And so 
I'm biased because I spent a lot of time in that in that space. But you know, I think that's another big thing. Brand marketing attribution is difficult. Customers aren't created equal, and education is kind of key for anything you might do. Okay, taking a quick pause from this episode here because. I know since you're listening to this podcast that you're interested and curious about marketing, Web3, NFTs, the metaverse, all the things. And at the end of September, I'm putting together Seattle's first NFT conference called NFT Seattle and bringing together lots of people from the Northwest and all over the place to learn more about Web3, meet other people. And it's been a crazy amount of work, but it's coming together. I'm super excited about it. And I would love to meet some of the Marketing in the Metaverse listeners in person. Would be awesome to meet you out in Seattle in my hometown. So I'm super stoked about the lineup of speakers, the events that are coming together, and really for all the the new relationships and opportunities that are going to be formed coming out of the event. So because you're a listener, I've got a discount code for you. And so you'll get 15% off. There's going to be a link in the show notes here. Or you can also just go to our website, nftseattle.io and put in Seattle. that is the discount code. So again, click the link or use the discount code MITMSEATTLE. The MITMS are uppercase, the rest of the word Seattle is lowercase. And this coming week, we're gonna be announcing our keynote speaker who, when I started this podcast was like, oh man, if I could have one person, there's like two names and that would be one of the, the keynotes that we're announcing this week is gonna be one of those. So stay tuned for updates, we're really excited. We may have already even announced it by the time this episode airs, but stay tuned for that. And for now, back to the show. Being able to simplify these complex topics that the vast majority of people does not understand. If you're in the space, some of it is second nature, but even like even working a lot in the space, you're still learning things right. constantly, right? You have and to. So for people, yeah, you have to, to keep up. And then for people that are not in the space, it's, you got to break it down super simple, but then mm-hmm. there's a lot of loyalty. If you were the first person that introduced somebody and you taught somebody and brought them along the way, then you've got a lot more buy-in. I feel like because somebody interacted with you, with you very early on as they begin to enter the space, would you say yeah. that's like, would you agree with that? Big time, big time yeah. for sure. And even when you're quote, unquote, a pro in the space, you're learning things all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it really takes a beginner's mindset. I want to give two quick examples of something that, you know, I learned in the job that I think anyone who might be listening to who's already in the space deep, yourself maybe included, is interesting to think about. Two things I had no idea would be interesting marketing opportunities. One of them is marketing to governance participants and other protocols. I'll give you an example. TrueFire needs lending liquidity. And, you know, we can go after retail user by retail user, or we can go to MakerDAO, which has a huge treasury in the billions and needs a place to put that money. And we can submit a proposal to them if we have a good relationship with the folks who are governors there to get $100 million allocated to the protocol. So marketing, you might think of as educating your target buyer. But frankly, the people who are participating in governance there, they don't necessarily want to lend the protocol, but they do command huge treasuries. So that's that's a really interesting approach there. Uh, and, and so too with developers, right? Developer relations, I knew nothing about. But all of a sudden, you know, you might find uh, someone who's not actually necessarily going to be a user of the protocol be really valuable because they can build something on top that takes you to the next level. And so that means we're getting a lot more involved in hackathons and, and so on. I guess a third bonus thing is one thing I never really noticed and you know, I don't think anyone has is you know, PayPal spend five bucks per user or so to pay them to come onto the platform, right? Coinbase, same thing in Bitcoin. You, know, you have five bucks a Bitcoin. Right. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things you have to your advantage in a lot of these projects, NFT projects can do, you know, 
honoraries or do airdrops, token projects can do token incentives, is you actually can literally pay for customer acquisition. That's that's largely unheard of. And I don't think that we've all quite cracked how to, how to do that masterfully. Compound did the first, you know, kind of incentive model, and then everyone's been copying them ever since. But I think that we haven't quite, as an industry, quite cracked the right way to use token incentives, and we're all fighting about the best model still. So right. like a very different space, and I'm learning all the time, and I, I think anyone who's relevant still is. And what, I mean, you, you mentioned a few different things there, which are really interesting. And I agree with those mm -hmm. points that those are like really cool or interesting, unique marketing opportunities for somebody that's in mm -hmm. the space. If you are not in the space already, you're thinking about it because you've been around a lot of founders, you've invested into a lot of different projects mm -hmm. from an angel perspective. What are like, what are opportunities for either a traditional business right now or an up and coming business or startup that's trying to dive into or leverage some of the web three principles what are some opportunities that exist right now that Web3 is providing people? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question. I'd say if you're like a fintech business, there might be a really interesting opportunity to dabble in the DeFi space. So I might double back on that. But I think the majority of businesses are probably going to not fall into the sort of DeFi and crypto space per se. And unless they want to put some of their hard-earned cash into you know crypto assets to you know prevent inflation and are willing to accept the, the roller coaster ride that is holding Bitcoin <laughs> for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, the primary thing I see as the lowest hanging fruit in crypto right now is in the NFT space. And when it comes to the NFT space, the primary sort of like low hanging fruit I see is for people who have already established brands, especially personal brands or artist brands. That is a surefire way of not just capturing, but also creating more value for their, for their fans, right? So this could be artists, this could be beauty brands, this could be event venues, it, you know, and I'm, and I'm kind of, you know, throwing a few Hail Marys here, but they could also be food joints. They could be your favorite coffee shop, et cetera. So long as you can offer folks the opportunity to buy something that effectively acts as a loyalty in the form of NFT or something like it, that gives them benefits when you consume business there, whether that is cheaper tickets at a venue or life or a month of access to the venue's events. Another example is if you give them greater access to the individual who, who they're a fan of. So Tom Billu, for example, has the founder pass that you mentioned earlier on before we got on the call, like that's a great example. You use that mm -hmm. as access to the individual, which you want. You know, the the friends in principle had something similar because you get to access to sick event, right? Right. Or if they could use it as a way of displaying loyalty to a brand. For example, Board It Yacht Club has has given people a sense of belonging. If your business or your content has this element of belonging, you too can use NFTs to kind of capture that element. And, and But all I'm really saying is these are examples of both creating and capturing value of a brand you've already built. And I would frankly say that there are businesses who are thinking about how to use crypto at earlier stages. I would say build that brand first, then think about capturing value of crypto. And then if you're in the fintech space, we can talk about the ways that you know crypto makes your transactions cheaper, faster, safer. But we can do a whole other podcast on that. And I think that's going to be relevant for the most listeners. Yeah. I think what you said is interesting. Build a brand first before you get too excited and dive all into creating some elaborate crypto strategy. And I so. I, it, it's funny because a lot of people reach out and especially having a podcast mm -hmm. called Marketing in the Metaverse, people reach out and say, <laughs> hey, can you help me build a, you know, market this NFT or whatever, right? That have, but they have no community and their, their go live date is three weeks from now. And Oof. that is an, that's a tough challenge. But Every market is um, a nightmare. Yeah. Would you say, would you say focus on the community and building the brand first before launching a project like that? 
A hundred percent. I would actually offer a model. I, I, I hope it's okay. It'll maybe give you a quick minute to explain. Please. But I do think that there's a way to build a product in crypto, a successful project, right? Protocol, NFT, whatever. I think that the tactics differ, but the model is roughly the same. And to your point, do you start a community first? Do you build a brand first? A hundred percent. The community will tell you what to build in the first place. Right. And so you build a community. So I'll take an example. I'm in a great little community with a few friends. Some are big shot NFT ballers and whatever that, you know, have some big Twitter account. But most of us are just like schmucks with a few thousand followers on Twitter and maybe a little bit of pocket money to buy some NFTs. We hang out in that NFT group, NFT degens. We give each other alpha. We go into products together sometimes. Sometimes we invest in products together. But every so often, and this is rare, but every so often, a few people in that group spin out and decide, I'm going to make my own project. Right. This has happened twice before. Uh, and then the first people in the community are us. We tell them, hey, guys, love what you're doing. You know, we're homies here. We're going to tell you if this stuff, this stuff sucks. What you need to do to get, our, get us interested. So we are their first community. They, they bring in their Twitter following that they've built on their personal brands. And suddenly they have a few hundred people, maybe a few thousand people in that group chat before they have anything to even sell. Just there's bouncing ideas. They maybe made some art with a few friends over the weekend, you know, and the community comes first. I'll tell you what they want. Right. So you build that community, maybe live in a Discord or a Telegram. And then the second step is build, right? You make the thing that they want. I'm not going to beat dead horse there. That could be a protocol. That could be an NFT project, et cetera. But you've got the community. Now you're building something for them. Well, you and I both know that uh, actually getting people to understand how this thing is, how to buy it, how it's used is complicated. So the third thing you have to do is educate them, right? I spent a lot of time in that world. That's kind of my bread and butter. That's my sweet spot. And that often means content. That means getting on podcasts, explaining this thing. That means getting on panels at conferences and talking about it. You're mostly just educating people about what it is you've built, why it's special, why they should care. And so let's say you've done all these three things. You've got a good community. The community's growing because you've got more content out there. You've got a few pieces of product out there. Maybe it's your first few NFTs or there are some honoraries. Then you've got a little bit of educational materials. So people are actually getting a little bit of traction there. With that traction, you have adoption. Adoption is the fourth thing in this this circle. And adoption is basically when you actually are selling your first few NFTs, when you have people putting those NFTs as their profile pictures, maybe in a protocol sense, it might be your first few whales for finding liquidity, maybe first few lenders. And what do you do with that traction? Well, you take it to the press, or you take it to the conference, or you take it to the next big podcast, and you climb the ladder. And you do that to gain credibility. We're in the, we're in the, we're in the finance space at the end of the day, or we're in the art space. Right. And these are spaces largely dictated by trust. They demand a lot of trust and things have value because they're trustworthy. So protocol is trustworthy. If it hasn't been hacked. If it's secure. If your friends are using it, art is valuable when your friends are holding it, when it's being transacted a fair amount, when, when it's showing up in the news as cool and hot and interesting. Right. And so when you have that credibility that grows your community all over again, that community is going to tell you what to build next. And you have this virtuous cycle and, and real quick, again, you get your community first, you build what they want. You educate them about how to use it and why they should care. That gets you the early adoption that you double down on. With some adoption, you get credibility. That credibility builds your community again. Then you build the next great thing. And this virtual cycle, you can do this over and over and over. And I think it is the crux of any Web3 product. And it's a little bit better than just saying we do brand marketing. That's for sure. <laughs> how how does you start with that first initial community? Or maybe how small is too small? Like if you have 25 people in there, is that enough to get started? Is it like 500? Is it 1,000? What does that look like in the very beginning stage of that as you begin to build out that community? 
Yeah, sure. Usually I say it always depends on what you're actually trying to market. So if it's, you know, you're just trying to build a small game for a few people and you don't really need that much more volume for it to be earned to play and fun and interesting, then, you know, maybe 25 is fine. And those whales bring in bigger people later on. If you've got a small trading group, et cetera, then these are, these are fine numbers, right? Our little NFT DJ in chat is 17, but we still, mm-hmm. in some cases, are able to move markets. Now, small markets, but, you know, you can actually see the impact of this group. Probably what you're thinking about is you're going to want to launch an NFT project of some sort. Typically speaking, I like to see groups that are in the thousands and that kind of thing, because realistically, not everyone in that group is going to be able to buy the, buy the item. They're not going to necessarily have the money, but every member there is valuable because they're going to provide hype. So I like to see groups in the in the thousands. That's the same for protocols, but you don't really need many people. You need a few hundred to use it. So, you know, in terms of TrueFi, we have a few hundred lenders, but a few hundred lenders is all that it took to do a billion and a half in loans, right? So like I said, not every customer is created equal. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so, so all in all, I would say a group starts by you getting a few people. Like if you just, if you, if you already run a business, right, let's say it's a, it's a cafe, for example, then you know, you launch, when do you launch your loyalty program, right? Well, probably when you have a few loyal customers, right? When you have right. folks, you're like, hey, you know what? You would actually, like, I think it's, it's really important to cash this in like real world terms. I think a lot of people think that crypto suddenly is this magical universe where you can, you can like give up on standard business practices, right? <laughs> but you wouldn't launch a loyalty program for an airline if you only have a few people on seats, right? You wouldn't launch right. a loyalty program for a cafe unless you had people who are coming regularly to customers. So back to building a brand first, like, you know, when you have in your cafe, you know, a hundred or so plus loyal customers, then you can launch a loyalty program. When, you're, when your planes are filling up, that's when you launch your loyalty program. And it's the same way in NFT, it's the same way in, in sort of DeFi protocols. When you have some folks, for example, in our case, we had a bunch of people using our stable coin, but they didn't have opportunities to gain yields in that stable coin. Where are you going to put this asset, TUSD, to generate, you know, interesting returns. You know, you can go to some of our friends at Celsius or Nexo or what have you, but you know, their yields are probably not going to be resilient forever because, you know, ultimately they're based on slight inflated crypto rates. What can we build to have a a long-term return on this asset? Well, we should probably try to bring an existing business that is lending rails like Swift on chain because then it's cheaper and faster. Okay. So we've literally rebuilt the credit business on chain and now that credit business can great, offer great yields. So in that case, we had something with a need. So we were really just bridges coming over. So you could say the community for that was every big TradFi solution doing lending all around the world, paying exorbitant fees to move money around. So I know it's a, it's a bit of a piecemeal answer, but I'd say if you don't have a community, then at least have a market, right? I would say the market of coffee consumers is a good place to start. You narrow that down to the people who visit your store regularly. And then you narrow that down to the 100 who are your biggest fans. You start your loyalty program with them, get them to bring their friends. Then you have 200 or so. And if the, if the loyalty program is an NFT, fine. But uh, at the end of the day, you need to have something, Whether even if it's just a group of friends who like really care about you being a good capital allocator or you being a really talented artist and following you on Instagram before, in my opinion, you should be thinking about launching an NFT project or before you think about launching a DeFi protocol. Otherwise, you're yelling to the void, in my opinion. Right. I mean, and that's not entirely different from any business, right? If you're going to start mm-hmm. a business, you test to see how the market's going to respond. Like, is there actually a need or a market for this? And, right. you know, is this a solution to an actual problem that exists? Or am I just making this up because it's something that I think is cool, right? Exactly. That's not going to serve you that well. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. that trust is really important. And, you know, TrueFi, Trust Token, 
truth cartel trust is a, yeah. is a kind of a center point of things that you're, sure you're working on as well, at least from a naming perspective, but something we always talk. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't name talk. all of them, but it's, so, it's an eerie combination. Sure enough. Yeah. yeah. Something we talk about is people buy from people that they know, like, and trust. Right. And part time. of, you know, creating content and doing things and putting yourself out there is that people actually know you because if people know you and they trust you and they like you, then that is somebody that's going to either associate with you in your community or is going to purchase from you at the end of the day or whatever it might be. What are mm -hmm. some ways that you've found that are effective in building trust within a community to develop that community? Yeah. Great, great question there. So I wish I had come up with this all stuff myself, but you know, I always borrow from like the, like Robert Caldini's of the world or like the, you know, how to influence, influence people. This like, you know, all the, the, the some of the best stuff about this is, is in my opinion already been written. So I like to, I really, really, really like to use a few things. So when I spoke about credentialing in the press, you're borrowing someone else's authority. So there are kingmakers in this industry. They could be press conferences or influencers. Right. Those are, and in some cases, there are, there's, you know, I would put influencers actually as a broad category of fellow founders in the space. So, for example, Robert Leshner at Compound, obviously a very influential figure in the DeFi space, you know, in the NFT space, Yuga Labs, you know, when they endorse a project or something like that, they're key makers as well. So, I think different projects su succeed based on different uh, influencers and influences, I guess. But by and large, we're talking about affiliation being seen as supported by and adjacent to someone who is already known and liked in your space, being seen as credible. So maybe being a guest poster and, and you know, opining in substantive ways on your industry, on platforms that already have some repute. But, you know, ultimately, people think about where do you start? And probably the best, most useful, most available, accessible version of this is just being a creator. Right. And that might not mean maybe you're not an artist per se, and you decide to be a creator in, f in the form of giving your opinion. Right. And so that could be just creating content on Twitter and, you know, doing threads or offering good advice. You might choose to, you know, create original content, in this case, a podcast where you can actually, you know, make great connections with people, but also you know, deliver a lot of value yourself. You might choose to start an event series, you know, happy hours, whatever. So if, if it's not available to you to, you know, show up on panels with Robert Leshner or to, sh to, to show up in the bankless email list or to, you know, contribute articles to Cointelegraph, what have you, then, to, then create, you know, as you do, you build your own platform. And before you know it, they're going to want to come to you and, and recruit you for these things. So above all, just, you know, add value in any way you can. That can be technically, by the way, not just, not just as a marketer or a chronic creator, but you can be a technical contributor. You could be a governance contributor, helping move things along and protocols you love. You could be a liquidity provider and, and become a substantive financier in some of these ways and find allies that way. And, you know, the, this, the, the breadth of ways of being of value to this community are huge because this community is so new. It needs so much advocacy politically, technically, socially that, you know, if you just get in there and start creating the other opportunities that might be close to you right now that I mentioned of affiliation and credibility and contribution will open over time. Yeah, I think that's, that is totally true, which is part of the reason why, like, I think with it being as new as it is, there's a lot of like opportunities that give it a couple of years and it's going to be very mm -hmm. much more difficult to interact or connect with some of the people right now that are quite accessible just because it is a new industry. And so it's a niche. And so if you're in the space and somebody else is in the space, even if that person is, you know, whether it's. Reese Witherspoon or Eva Longoria or, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Steph Curry or whoever it might be, Snoop Dogg, right? Like some of these big right, names right, that right. are starting to jump in and 
normally you would have no reason to reach out to them, but because like, as an example, those are people that we're at least talking to, I'm, I'm hosting NFT Seattle out here uh, at the end of July. And so I don't know if any of those names are going to be there. Right. But there's, there's people who are much more accessible because we're both connected Mm -hmm. to this niche that otherwise would have no reason to respond even to a question from somebody like me. So Mm -hmm. it's a hell of a thing to be able to be in a space where they're as excited about this stuff as you are, that Mm -hmm. they'll bring the entire brand, their entire following, their entire audience to an event that, you know, just sprung up in Seattle, right? Like that is a testament to this thing actually being important early. Right. And building those relationships by hosting an event like this Mm -hmm. is like, who knows where that will lead to and Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And I think like a lot of my motivation in doing that is because there's such a fragmented community in Seattle where there's a lot of unique people that are working on their own different things in their own silos, but there's not the community feel like you see down in Miami or LA or New York where people rally around, you know, there's DeFi and Web3, like just the whole space is it brings the community together and here everybody's just in their own little worlds working on their own mm-hmm. thing from home to an extent. Mm-hmm. And so hoping to unite people, but in the process, want to build a lot of amazing relationship, both for myself and just facilitate that for other people too. Right. So that, yeah, you know, we're, we're on the map a little the, bit more and it attracts people to this area. So that leads to more things. Yeah. So that's exactly you know, what I'd recommend for anyone, like start building something of value to others. Right. You're doing that with event series, with a podcast series. You know, some folks might do that with written content. Some people might do that by building a community that just, you know, talks before they launch something. There's lots of things you can do with nothing. And I think folks are, are might be looking to be spoon fed a little bit and become influencers overnight. And this space has had so much so much scarring from various scams in every era of the of its existence that there's a there's a really, really, really strong immune system response to people who haven't earned it. So there's no quick fix, no easy way out. That's not an NFTs. That's not in DeFi. And that's mm-hmm. certainly not an influence being seen as a contributing member of the society. All of it is hard earned. And it's usually hard earned by people who are starting from nothing. Just like, you know, each of us had. Yeah, 100%. What are you most excited about right now as a marketer looking at Web3 oh, with wow. your different projects and companies that you're investing in, that you're building? What, what are you lit up about right now? That's a hell of a question. So, you know, there's a lot of rumors right now. This is uh, what is we, we are in May 2022 right now as we're recording this. Uh, there's 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 rumblings now of it being the early shot signs of a bear market. We have crazy inflation and, and, and so on in the sort of U.S. dollar and all and probably overinflated equity markets and so on. So I think that there's there's two things that are interesting about that. Firstly, there's a classic saying that when the bear markets are t- for builders, and so, you know, this has been the case in Silicon Valley too. People are just going to get, you know, they're going to they're gonna stop hyping everything. You're just going to get back to work, which is going to be mm-hmm. interesting. I think that makes it a little harder for marketers because you have slightly fewer bodies in the space, but everyone's more valuable and they're actually getting more done, which will be interesting compared to some of the weekends I've spent in, you know, Miami or New York, the like over glamorous parties with people who aren't <laughs> really doing much. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think it'll be an interesting time for like retail sector to experiment with crypto. Because there's not really a very, there's not really too many interesting places to put your money these days. Not that crypto is necessarily a safe haven, but I'm interested to see if folks, because of overinflated equities markets, crazy inflation, you know, some rocky commodities prices, they may be coming to crypto. Try stuff out a little bit. So that's going to be interesting too. And then I guess the final thing is I'm starting to see a pretty interesting convergence of what I would call like some of the key niches of crypto right now. I wouldn't necessarily call them niches, but maybe categories, right? People who are interested in DeFi 
maybe coming from finance or just wanting to change how money works. People who are coming into the NFT world, which might be artists, it might be creatives, designers, community builders. And I'm also seeing a lot of folks, obviously, in the DAO space who are you know, more interested in governance, how organizations are developed, how decisions get made. Like all the nerds of every every sector, and I would call myself, you know, a nerd of each in this case. <laughs> they're like we're all it's all kind of smashing, and everyone's kind of like you know coming together. So we're a DeFi project. We just became a DAO officially, you know, as of on-chain governance launch like last week, and now we're wow, thinking okay. about launching a little like promo NFT project just to grow the community, market the community a little bit, right? So so we were like the most DeFi purists. And here we are, you know, involved in every element of this. And we're not the only ones. Like, like, like DeFi projects are going to NFTs. You know, people are operating as DAOs to uh, behind their NFTs. It's like this beautiful melding of the best of crypto. And I think that's where the innovation comes through. It's not just people going very deep in one space. It's to converge into spaces that are going to make things really interesting. So bear markets plus new entrants plus convergence is going to be interesting for, for builders. Love it. Yeah, and I think having like you're you've got your NFT DGENs group, I think, but having people <laughs> that know what's going on in each of those different areas because it's hard to be an expert in everything, right? Like if you're exactly. there's totally. not somebody that's I mean hardly even an expert in any one of those things, but to be an expert in yeah. DeFi and in crypto and in NFTs and in metaverse or what it's like you can't yeah. be Nuts. good at all of it unless you're just spending all day reading on the internet and not doing anything, right? Because it's just you got to pick Absolutely. your battles and learn what you can. So having a community like you do around you that is also like growing in each of these areas allows for cool opportunities like that of things melding and working together. So yeah, that's super smart. I would say if anyone listening that maybe is a little early, this like you don't need to start yourself with experts if you don't have experts on hand. You know, follow them on Twitter, sure, but like if you got two or three friends who are interested in crypto. Then just start group chat and just start throwing each other questions and answers and alpha and, you know, tips. And you will gradually make mistakes and have some successes and get smarter together. Mm -hmm. uh, and for some of the folks who are further into the mix, you know, an old colleague of mine ended up creating a community of people further down the line who are already pretty expert. But now, you know, if you start doing well, you don't want to do well alone. Right? right. So you want to you want to get rich with your friends because what's the fun of you being the one guy with the yacht and all your friends have to, you know, carpool to get. So, you know, the, the community is important every step of the way for launching a project, for not winning alone and also for just learning in those early stages. So it's it's the best advice that we give anyone here. So appreciate you saying that when you get the yacht, I'll jump in an Uber or do what I got to do and I'll I'll be there. So but you got to agree that if it's you, then I'll I'll Uber to yours. <laughs> Okay, deal. We can tie up our yachts, our yachts together. So Excellent. Excellent. Let's do it. Yeah, sweet. Well, thanks. I appreciate the, uh, the time today. If somebody wants to learn more about what you've going, got going on with one of the different projects or just follow you personally, where's the best place mm -hmm. for somebody to connect? Yeah, I think the Twitter is my sort of shelling point to direct everyone wherever they may be interested in. So that's going to be, you know, awkward Polish last name. It's Gasiorek M. That's going to be spelled G-A-S-I-O-R-E-K. M on Twitter. And uh, from there, you can find TrueFiDAO. That's the project I work on by day. Truth Cartel, that's the agency I work on by night. And if you're in New York or Miami and you want to grab a drink or a coffee and, and just uh, you know talk about the, the universe of crypto, then uh, I'm not hard to reach. Just send me a DM. Love it. Sounds good, man. Appreciate the alpha. Thanks for sharing today. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. Appreciate you.